0: Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hey everyone, another Baseball America playoff podcast. JJ and Kyle discussing the fact that we have game seven. We can't extend it any further but we are going to get, for the second year in a row, all the baseball we can and get. And the third
1: time in four years. It's been a lot of good World Series these last couple of years. And, I mean, this one deserves a Game 7. I'm, I'm personally thrilled that we are seeing it go to 7.
0: Before we uh, jump into it, we do want to thank you for tuning in and remind you that our podcast is sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. Shop now at Baseballism.com and enter the offer code B A ship. that's B-A-S-H-I-P, To receive free shipping on your order, visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and more today. And I do, I agree. I I am thrilled that we have a Game 7, and this series, it is only fitting that we have a Game 7, because I do think when it's all said and done, almost no matter what happens tonight, but especially because we're going to have this tonight, this has a chance to be one of those seminal World Series, you know, we still talk about much long before you were born, Kyle, but 1975, and what a great series that was. And we talk about 1986, 1991. Yep, I, I'm, I'm old. Give me one of them from your. You no, know,
1: it's not probably put in as much lore as I think some of the older World Series are because people always look at the far past as being mm-hmm. always greater than the mm-hmm. recent past. Uh, but 2011 with the Cardinals and the Rangers, that was. I mean, it was obviously Game Six, but that entire series was. Pretty spectacular. I think for me in my you know adult lifetime, that was one of the best. In 2002 with the Angels and the Giants. As you moved into uh, Game Seven, there you had a huge home run outburst. You had magnificent comebacks in Games Two and Game Six. Uh, you had superstars all over the field, some young, some old that were you know some at the tail end of their careers, some at the very beginning. Uh, so I think 2002 and 2011, both of which were seven Gamers, are probably the best of my recent memory of my conscious memory, I should say, but. There's no question. 2017. I think when you combine, hey, these are 200 I would win teams. Throw
0: 16. I know we're we're not far removed from that yet, but I would throw 16. We went seven. That's fair. We had we had the 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 in series turn multiple times in the right, final. Three was a
1: three one series. I mean, the Cubs had were down three one. Corey Kluber started game five. I mean, they thought they were probably done there. They rallied to win that. They had game seven win. Even some of those Indians wins, which I was at at Wrigley. They rallied a little bit late, so that was very thrilling. But I do feel like this one, the combination of just a lot of the home run outbursts, there there does seem to be a little more
0: oomph to this one. And, well, also the other thing about it is is that, and we sometimes it's easy to lose this, but we are also talking about two 200-plus win teams, two truly great teams. So whoever wins this, and that's something that I think also does help with this. When we talk about... You know, a lot of times, I mean, maybe that doesn't work in 91 because that Twins team was not an all-time great team by any stretch of the imagination. But when we talk about 75, that was the big red machine. When we talk about, you know, when we talk about 2016, we're talking about a Cubs team that it, you look at that, like what they've built, what they've built, and how many wins they had following up on a 97 win season, 98 win season the year before.
1: Nine, yeah, 97.
0: 97. I mean. it, it's something where there's gravitas to that. You know, I think we also, by the way, you also have to throw in that Yankees-Diamondbacks uh, series. 2001. Oh, to, yeah, that, That's to yeah. Me, uh, That's yeah. an easy yeah. all-timer. Yeah, no, easy. That's an easy all-timer. But again, part of that also comes from the gravitas of that Yankees team. You had Rivera. You had Jeter. You had all those guys who... Right, they
1: had won to that point in and 96, you had, 98, 99, 2000. They were going And for then you had a Diamondbacks
0: years. team, basically, with Johnson and Schilling. Um, so you had heft to those series.
1: I'm this sorry, is fifth a, and sixth years it would have been if they had won it. But you're right. right, I mean there was. This is
0: tr- this is this series has heft, and before we get into, we're going to talk about Game Seven because you can't not talk about looking forward to a Game Seven. But before that, Game Six we had by the standards of the series, what was undoubtedly a pitcher's duel, and when you have Justin Verlander on the mound, that's not shocking to see, and once again. I think the way that you describe Justin Verlander's series is dominant and it just but the thing about it is is he's played in the games that are the low scoring games and as such he's played in the games where one mistake, two mistakes, and all of a sudden what was a a lead is is disappears and
1: part of that is the Dodgers offense is relentless and now also the Astros offense is much more prolific we've seen that across the board statistically seen that in some of these games if you get into a slugfest advantage Astros but the Dodgers offense is a one that we saw throughout the course of the year they fight they come back they're deep 1 through 9 it seemed very fitting to me that Chris Taylor was the guy who got the go ahead knock You know, for those of you who follow us on on Twitter and see us on BaseballAmerica.com, I was in Houston for games three, four, five. And post-game five, it was interesting because there was definitely a, a little bit of a sense within the Dodgers clubhouse. It felt like a little bit of a, you know, game two had happened, but you could say, all right, it happened. We can move on from it. Game five, that was a gut punch to have that happen, you know, second time in four days where you know, you had leads multiple times, and the Astros just kept coming back, coming back, coming back, and there was nothing you could do, it almost felt like, to prevent them from getting their runs, there was a little bit of a sense of, uh, not not defeat, but almost a little bit like, "Geez, what else do we have to do, and for them to, you know, I think going back home, getting the day data reset was huge, they came back, they were downing Justin Verlander, and for them to win, I think that's a testament to the team, their fortitude, their talent, their strength, and... Again, Chris Taylor with the big knock, Corey Seager with the sack fly that almost left the park, and then Jock to finish it. And that, Jock
0: Peterson, who was not a slam dunk to be on this roster. He
1: hadn't homered since July 26. He's got three in World Series. I mean, the guy has turned it on, to say the but, least. But
0: also, this is not stunning to me from the standpoint of Jock Peterson is a somewhat streaky hitter.
1: A, a very streaky hitter. I don't even think you have to put the somewhat qualifier on it.
0: And right now, the streak is in a, it, it is going in the right direction. So... But I, the other thing that did strike me, though, is, is I feel like the, if, you're, if the Astros were going to lose Game 6, this is the way you want to lose Game 6. Not because you want to lose Game 6, but they did so in a way. I mean, we were talking in the office yesterday about the possibility of, do you go Verlander followed by McCullers with the idea being, if you've got the lead, can you just you just want to shut this thing down. You want it to be done. You don't want to go to Game 7. And the worst scenario would have been to have gone all in on game six, lose game six, and then go, okay, we're at a disadvantage in game seven. The Astros, because Verlander worked relatively deep, and because they were trailing, they, they did you know, they did use Musgrove, who's been an uh, effective reliever for them in the World Series compared to a bullpen but that has a lot of but even games. with
1: him, he did give up, you know, big home run in game oh, four. Oh, yeah, he's no, not one he's, here, which is amazing. Right, you
0: know. but I'm saying he's a guy who they put into games that matter. And and Luke Gregerson pitched really well, but you know Gregerson is, is one who's I think even further down that list, and then Francisco Liriano,
1: who had not appeared, and there's is a reason so for that. far
0: down that list <laughs> that uh, you know he, he had to have, be directed. You know this is the way to the mound. You you have not done this in a while. Yes, you can pitch other than just in the bullpen. But the thing with that being, now again, I don't think it matters that Ken, Ken Giles is rested, and I think when to, when tonight is over, Ken Giles will still be rested. But it means that Chris Davinsky is ready and raring to go. It means that Lance McCullers, you, you can go out with Lance McCullers and say, give us what you've got, but you want him going full bore, and you know that behind him, obviously you have everyone. But realistically, I mean, and, that, and I'm saying what that is, is I don't think we'll see Verlander. I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, just Charlie Morton will be available. But Charlie Morton's Dallas available. Keichel. Dallas Keuchel's available. So... They are going to be able to throw pretty much whoever they need to at this. Now the Dodgers are in the same situation; they're going to be able to throw everyone at it. But I would, I would know going in, Kelly Jansen may have three outs in him. But after going two innings the night before, and having looked signs of he was better last night, but having looked really worn out throughout most of this series, I don't even know if you're. I, <laughs> I don't. What I'm trying to figure out is, is I know Clayton Kershaw is going to play a large role for the Dodgers. See, for me, the first guy to go
1: to is actually Alex Wood. I mean, that's the guy who has pitched really effectively in the World Series. If Darvish runs into trouble, to me, that's your first guy out of the pen is Alex Wood.
0: Oh, I think it's going to be anyway because Well, what's funny to me is, is for all this, if I was the Dodgers and I know they're not going to do this, I would actually start Alex Wood. Because when they start Alex Wood, if you start the lefty, What you do then is the Astros have consistently set it up where you've generally got this mass of right-handed hitters all together. So if you start Wood, and he goes for, again, I'm talking three, because I think you're breaking this one into chunks. But he goes through, the second time through the lineup, when he hits that point, you know, when you know that inning's coming, that's kind of the, the point where you go, Darvish, and then you go back to the, you know, I, I mean, I do, I do think you're going to go lefty back to righty. It doesn't matter which way you do it, but I do think one of the key things for the Dodgers tonight is they're going to go lefties to righty to lefty. And I like doing that with this. I game. mean,
1: look, Darvish is going to start, and to be completely honest, it's all going to be moot if he doesn't go out and pitch better than he did his No, 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 no. no. When
0: you say that, I don't. He, if, he, if, he put, if, he, group, if he
1: puts them in a f- another four or five nothing there, hole,
0: he won't get the chance. There is no scenario. If he allows the first three base runners on, he won't pitch to the fifth batter of the the game. I mean, what I'm saying on this is it's game seven. You are, if he throws four balls to the first batter and he doesn't have a slider, by the second batter, there is someone up in that pen who's getting ready. I mean, you are, there is no scenario to me where you, you Darvish's leash for tonight, how much room he has to get in trouble is microscopic.
1: And and it should be. Right, and again,
0: now the thing about that is, is that's going to be a reliever. You are then going to say, we are going to figure out a way. That's going to be a Singrani or a Watson or whoever you need to. Then you get some length out of Alex Wood. And then you say, we'll be fine. I know we've taxed our bullpen, but if Alex Wood Wood needs to give us four, he'll give us four. Once Clayton Kershaw comes in that game, I don't know if Clayton Kershaw's leaving that game unless he's ineffective.
1: I, well, look, at the end of the day, all this is a lot simpler if their pitchers go out and pitch well. I mean, I think a lot of this is going to be a matter of adapting to the situation on the ground, and that's why I sort of hesitate when... You know, it's really funny to me, people, after seeing starters dominate all series, and then yesterday there is a bullpen game, it's like, bullpenning works. It's like, guys, there's games. No, starters where starters dominate the series. There, no, there have been individual starts been throughout been individual the postseason. That's what I'm saying. The right. point is, but- to say there's this grand rule of, bullpenning always worked. Their always. It's just about who's pitching well, whose but, stuff but is working with, that day. I
0: will say with that also, though, for any of this, results of one game mean nothing when you talk about grand strategy. Like, when someone says bullpenning works because of last night, no, it worked last night. Right, that's my but, point. There's no
1: there's all the But at the same time, if you say rule. that,
0: you also can't say... I mean, there is... We've talked about this all through the playoffs that how much of this, like, the bullpen's imploding is that they're getting used so much. Now, the one thing that's like a counter-argument that is is that the one team who shouldn't be having a bullpen that is absolutely gassed is the Dodgers. Because, yes, I know Brandon Morrow's getting up and him throwing three days in a row was crazy, and the fact that he could go seven for seven on the Joining uh,
1: Daryl Knowles, yes. the only pitchers to throw all seven games potentially.
0: But that being said... The Dodgers had more rest in the postseason than anybody because they're the one team that kind of cruised through this. Until but, the you know, goes. it
1: goes back to you can have all the rest you want. If you're still up and throwing six times in eight days, you're going to be tired. You can be off for two weeks beforehand. If you are ramping up and throwing that much, you're going to be tired. That's just the nature of pitching and the and human body. I, I do think, though, for me, the fact that the Dodgers were able to go out and have... You know, obviously they, they had to mix and match a little bit, but once they got that lead, it was it was fairly clean. I mean, they had to
0: use Jansen for two innings, but his innings were clean. And well, th- but I'll say this, that was the thing that was surprising to me was this I said it and I was wrong. I did not know how they were gonna get four and a third because again, just looking at it, more that meant you had to go to Moro. That meant you went to Maeda, who has pitched great, but I do worry also Kenta. This is a new role. This is not normal for him. Like, he is basically just picked up, you know... This Going role. out
1: and pitching an inning and a third or two innings every other day-ish. Or, in some cases, back-to-back days. It's is new. It, yes, no question about it. I, I do think that it'll be interesting to me to see if you Darvish can deliver the type of start the Dodgers. You know, we saw him deliver earlier in the postseason. They acquired him to deliver because, look... That's still the easiest path to victory. If you Darvish comes out and pitches like he can...
0: And right. Let's say he does. Pitches like he can. How many innings do you think he goes? I give him a full six. I think he goes five if he pitches great. I think that's
1: it. Some of it some of it will depend on where you are in the lineup. There, right. Again, there are situations taken to take into account. But I think... I think, I think... think,
0: he, I think uh, my guess is 19 to 20 batters is the maximum he'll face. Again, I again to me it's, a lot, of it's going, a lot
1: of it's going to depend on how he's going how many pitches I, I, how many pitches if he's pitches, pitching it, again, well my
0: prediction is is when Bregman comes up for the third time he won't be in the game i think that's the, the point. fine well, if to me
1: if he's at 5 innings 74 pitches and it's been 5 innings
0: 3 hits 1 run you let him keep going I see, and I don't think they will. I don't think they... And I don't... I'm not even saying it's wrong because, again, to me... They, may, they might not do it. Right. But my, my prediction is, is that that's what I'm saying is this. I think that when Alex Bregman bats the third time and, you know, that's the point where they're going to say, okay, we're going to bring in... You know, we're, we're... At this point, we're turning it over because, again, tonight... I do think that there is a certain part of, and look, we talked about this on the podcast, uh, you know, uh, Monday. That, and he may f- fail at it. But the reality of this is that I think Clayton Kershaw plays a, the fact that he didn't have to pitch last night, he plays a large role for the Dodgers in this. And if you're Clayton Kershaw, this is your opportunity to be Madison Bumgarner. Like, I mean, again, you know, the reality that is is that if he goes out there and again, it may not be coming right in after Darvish, but if, if Darvish pitches well, the game's close, and then he comes in and say the fifth or the sixth, I I would be, that's the way to me, if he's pitching well, that you say, nope, he's better than anyone we've got in the pen, and we're going to get nine to 12 outs out of him, which I don't think is crazy, considering he's, you know, he's coming out, he has enough rest that that's, this is less crazy than what he did last year against the Nationals.
1: That's fair. I, I, Again, I think a lot of it is going to come down to looking and seeing, okay, what's the situation in the game? Where are we in the lineup? Because, again, I do trust Alex Wood to come in there, a, a fresh, freshly rested Alex Wood to come in there and do that long roll, and then if you wanted to bring Kershaw in for the two-inning stint as opposed to the four-inning stint. I, again, there's so many variables here because, again, you talk about Game 7, short leashes. It's going to be matching up like crazy. I do feel like at the end of the day we're still going to come down to because because we've seen it throughout the series that offenses that come through with that big hit of that big moment because we've had games where the pitching has been great and runs have been stymied we've had games where we've seen these massive offensive explosions but it still comes down to who gets the clutch hit at the right time and especially with the Astros I mean this is an offense that when it's clicking they're not losing but those games where they've not gotten you know really untracked at any point the Astros don't can't really win those one nothing 2-1 3-1 games they need to get to that 5-6-7 especially with how bad their bullpen is
0: and that's the thing the other question I was going to ask with that is is okay let's say Let's say that we get to the 7th, and the Astros are leading 2-1, hypothetically. Who pitches the 8th? Who pitches the ninth? Depen- the it
1: depends if Dallas Keuchel's been used or not. And if he has, then I... Again, you're going to have to talk to Justin Berlin and see how his arm feels, but I don't think he's going to say no. I mean, I, I look at this way. I, I do... Chris Stavinsky hasn't been locked down, obviously. I still trust him. Right. I, I would, if, say, you know, McCullers gives you a good chunk of change... I would probably still go Peacock, Davinsky. I I would not get Ken Giles anywhere near this game. (laughs) Anywhere near
0: it. How many innings? Okay, that's a flip. I'll ask that question instead. How many innings does this game have to go?
1: 15. I mean, because you're going to use Peacock for multiple. You'd use Keiko for multiple. You'd probably use Verlander for multiple. Not to mention you're going to use Davinsky. I mean...
0: Musgrove.
1: yeah, I don't see... Gregerson. It. Gregerson, definitely. I mean, you know, again, I think Joe Musgrove, we've talked about, has done some reliable things. But he's also served up home runs in, you know, two of his last three outings. I still think you'll see the starters go more than you will the true relievers go in this game for the Astros, aside from Chris Stavinsky.
0: I mean, that's that's probably true. You know, I mean, it's Morton,
1: Peacock, Heigel. Those guys are all guys you're going to trust to get outs more than... Some of the other guys they've been throwing out there, no question.
0: Now, the one thing, again, that we talked about with that is, just, and this is where there's going to be a lot of planning. I, I, I like that was an insight someone said about A.J. Hinch that he likes to plan a lot of this out before the game yeah, begins. They talked
1: about uh, at 2 p.m. Yeah. is when he likes to so he can take the emotion out of it. He has at, it already lined up.
0: But the thing that stands out with that is is that when you are relying on starters, not relievers, generally the one difference of that is is that there are some guys – and the Astros have a little bench Lance McCullers starting it, so it doesn't help him. But Lance McCullers generally came in clean innings. But at least he has experience coming in relief because the tandem starter system that the uh, Astros used in the minor leagues. He came
1: up Although it is fair to point out, every single game he's pitched in the major leagues, which is now three years, he started every single one. No. He, well, not, well, no, pl- not now. No, 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 sorry. Let me rephrase Regular season, regular season. But, yes, but yeah, he did does have game experience. Seven yes,
0: he has had experience of what you know, like yes, of, no, of, of coming into a game where he doesn't know roughly when he's going to start. Like when the game begins, he knows he's going to pitch, well, but, again, but guess, he doesn't know. It's but not, sometimes it's starting, could, he's starting tonight, so it doesn't really. No, I'm saying. That, what I'm saying, but he yes, but he's got that experience. But what I'm saying is is that generally starters want to come in to start an inning. And that's where this gets a little bit more complicated is we've seen in this series, especially game seven, in a game where literally any one swing with no one on could be a run. And any five-pitch sequence where a guy reaches and then the next guy comes up could all of a sudden be a massive swing. You're going to have bullpens, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys getting up and down in this game, but the thing that's going to be tough for both managers is if you're relying on a lot of starters, you probably, in most cases, want to bring those guys in to start innings, not in the middle of them, in trouble. And, again, and that's think, where it's going to get really fast. And even. again,
1: I think it's obviously preferable, but again, especially in a Game 7 type situation, you do oh. need to be adaptable on the ground. I Absolutely. Mean, it, you know, the planning out, it obviously, when you're talking about okay over the course of not even thinking in the context of 162 games but hey we've got you know this 9 game and 10 day stretch i want to try and get some things lined up and planned out just so we can avoid some burnout like yeah that's fine game 7 you're going to have to be adaptable you're going oh, to have not, to I'm understand. not saying but i'm
0: saying but but i do think as you're, as these managers map this out i think one of the things that goes with that is is that cuz they actually tonight because of this you actually have you have more quality arms than you... The, the calculuses that you are doing before this game ever begins, and that's why I predict that Darvish 19, 20 batters is probably his limit, is the calculus you have is, to me, is that tonight, if you're the Dodgers, you would rather get 18, 17, 18 excellent batters out of Darvish because you have more guys than you have outs. Because it, again, like you said... You have Alex Wood in a situation where if he's pitching well, it is not crazy in any way to say, okay, let's say Darvish gives you 18, that Alex Wood, okay, are you saying six or nine? Which, that's not taxing him at all, I would say, in this scenario. Well, at that point, you know, and we're not talking Alex, we're talking batters, but if, you, if, if Alex Wood's gotten you through 27 batters in the game and you haven't used Kershaw yet, you know, well...
1: You're in a good position. You're in,
0: not even in a good position, but again, I do go back to, I could see you, Darvish, pitching well, and then still say, that was a great three or four, you, you know, and now we're handing it over because you have more pitchers than you have outs, and you're saying we will deal with the 10th and on if we need to, you know, at that point. But you're thinking, again, also the, the ability that they have to go right, left. They've got righties and lefties. That, to me, again, I do... I think the Dodgers, I guess what I'm talking to myself is, is I'm rationalizing myself, is is I think the Dodgers are in a better spot for this, for a team that used the bullpen for four and a third yesterday, than I would expect them to be.
1: No question. It's going to be really, really interesting to me as well, just to kind of see, you know, one of the things to take in consideration is, because you're in a National League park, a lot of times, the double switching gets going earlier, Mm -hmm. the more and more you're pulling guys, and... You know, last night, obviously, it kind of worked out. The Dodgers pinned Chase Utley, who had been a weak link offensively and defensively throughout last postseason. There was a visible downturn in productivity when Logan Forsyth was coming out of the games and Chase Utley was coming in. Naturally, he goes in and makes a really nice defensive stab and, you know, is able to have a good at-bat where he, you know, gets on base. And I, I do think that for the Dodgers potentially a little bit of advantage because all of a sudden if you start mixing and matching and pulling guys here and there and all of a sudden the Astros are starting to yank guys out of their lineup just to fill in some of those double switches that to me is going to be an interesting subplot because by the end saying okay who's still in the lineup by inning nine and are you two or three batters short of guys who normally be you know your main contributors in this spot that to me is an interesting subplot here with all the expected
0: pitching changes no, that is a good point. Like, now, you do look at it and you say, okay. I mean, the thing that both these teams have is, and you're right. Like, it, again, it comes from Are we going to gonna see
1: one Centeno? Complete all 50 World Series. Come in.
0: But you do look at it and you say, okay. Like, look, for the Dodgers, they have, and they also have, the, the Astros have some versatility. But the, the Dodgers also have massive versatility in that you, whoever you start pulling... And, you know, double switching, you've got, you've got, uh, you have got, you know, Quique Hernandez, you've got Chris Taylor, you've got... Guys you who
1: know, play shortstop and center centerfield. Right. Unpo- right. It's not just, oh, this guy's right field and but, he can go to left. He's, there's the, a little bit but of... But not match.
0: that the Astros, the Astros have Marlon Gonzalez, but the thing about it is, is with Marlon Gonzalez, really, as versatile as he is, the part of the problem with that is, is a lot of the positions that he's versatile enough to play are ones that are not options. Because...
1: You're not pulling Curry off short. You're, you're not, not pulling pull, Curry off short. You're not short. pulling Gurriel off first.
0: You know, you're not pulling Altuve off second, and you're not pulling Bregman off third. So, Marlon Gonzalez can play a lot of positions. It doesn't help you tonight. And that's where, really, what you're coming down to is that that's where the Astros... Not that it's a... They, can, they have enough pinch hitters that there is a part of me that says, if you've got a pitcher in there who you're not planning to get many more outs out of, okay, well, you can just pinch hit. Right. But if you do get in double-switching... Really, it is, it is catcher, and I don't think they really want to do a lot there. But catcher, left field, and moving spring around the outfield wherever you need to, you, you know you could. But Beltran's only going to pinch hit today.
1: right? That's a, part of it. Is look at some of the Dodgers' the way they line up. They have guys who are viable pinch hitters who can also play defense. A lot of times the Astros, right? If pinch Evan, Evan Gas and Carlos Beltran can absolutely hit. Gas can catch, obviously, but I think but they're not, but 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 they're, defensively they're, they're not. Doing a ton for you, and we've seen you know Derek Fisher's this really nice young player, but he's a pinch runner in this series. He's not
0: or defensive. One thing I'll say defensive. also: potential
1: defensive replacement. But no question again. But it's not that okay. We can stick this guy in the lineup, and I will have to worry about one side of the ball. with him. By
0: the way, one thing I will remind with that is is that but the crazy things happen. It, it wouldn't be yeah. stunning if somehow we do end up in a scenario. I don't think Juan Cetano is going to come up right. in a key Derek, situation. Derek Fisher game winning home
1: run. He's a good enough player. It's just oh, it in, the, cons- in but the in the context of the postseason and
0: but first remember, like I mean, but we these scenarios happen. We've had Christian Cologne come up in a key situation. You know, like yeah. be, uh, once guys start getting pulled, all of a sudden it does become you know a little crazy. Now the thing that that does stand out with the Dodgers though is, is that but who for the Dodgers comes in and basically... Because you can't even say that Charlie Culberson at this point is someone who you go, oh, you can't let him back. Their yeah. bench, pretty much everyone on their bench, if they come up, it's like, no, they've come through at some point recently. Now, again, if you're playing the percentages, you don't want Charlie Culberson coming up in a key situation. But... He's coming up and he's playing with some uh, with some confidence. That
1: I, I don't uh, considering some of the other guys that have come. I wouldn't. I don't mind him at all. I mean, this is a guy who we just saw him. You know, hit a couple home runs. He's hit a home run in the World Series already. He's he's a good little ball player. And again, that's... started the, thing that's, the entire NLCS.
0: <laughs> and so that is if you say where's an advantage for the Dodgers, I do see where that could be an advantage for the Dodgers from the standpoint that for the Astros, you probably don't want Derek Fisher. Good player, but. They have not seen comfortable with him hitting in this uh, World Series. They haven't really needed to. Cameron may been okay, but you really probably want him more, you know, you you do not want him double-switching into he is coming up to be the key at-bat for you in a, uh, in a late-inning situation. And, and again, it
1: makes sense because that and the National League team would have a stronger, more versatile, diverse array of bench options. That's just the way the game is and how good teams in each league are built. And this is the
0: home field advantage. I mean, that really, when when it's all said and done, they earned it. And so, here we are, that they get this little advantage, this minor advantage, but it's an advantage for game seven. So, here's the real question. Who you got? (sighs) Dodgers? I think Dodgers, even though I think that, I'm going to say Dodgers. Yes, Dodgers.
1: You went Astros in seven when the series began.
0: I know. You know what? (laughs) I am going to stick with... I'll stick with my original pick. Astros, okay. I said Astros in seven, so I should stay with that. Astros in seven. I think it is a coin flip tonight, but I'm going to say Astros in seven.
1: Again, you know, I picked Dodgers in six when we started. I am going to stick Wrong. Wrong! Yeah, no question. I'm not a seer. If I if I could predict the future, uh, this isn't the business... Well, say we do we do you predict do, a you little bit of prospects, but I would, I would, to, I would uh, be... At, right, I'd be in casinos, not in newsrooms. Um, I do feel like... I am going to stick with the Dodgers, just talk about some of those little advantages, you know, being able to have a couple more arms, you know, possibly come out of the bullpen, have a little bit more depth on the bench once you really start getting into those late innings and we start seeing some of those double switches. I, I do give the edge to the Dodgers, and, you know, I'm the West Coast guy. I got to, I gotta, you know, <laughs> represent the West Coast here in the office. Um, so I, I am going to pick the Dodgers, but again...
0: It's uh, a coin flip game. Right,
1: That no one in any way, shape, or form, should be shocked if the Astros come out and, you know, crush it. I mean, this is an Astros offense that at any time, we've seen it, can explode and turn a game into a route really fast or come back from a deficit. Uh, again, I'm picking the Dodgers, but if you were to ask me, like, the confidence level, it's like 51-49, 52-48. It's not a massive, massive gap.
0: But one thing I will say is is what I hope more than anything is I want this game to stay close. The worst thing that would be frustrating is we've gotten to this game seven. And, man, it would be disappointing if someone really – now, again, even if someone jumps – if someone jumps out to a 5-0 lead in this game, do not – and I think that if you're listening to this, you're smart enough to know this. Don't turn off the TV (laughs) because we've seen, again, okay, we've got a 4-0 lead. Clayton Kershaw's on the mound we should be pretty good and then we well, oh, got a 7-4, 7-4 lead we should be pretty good and no you were not but but again but i do hope i don't want this game to get to the eighth and and you say okay we know who's going to win i will say one consideration
1: that we saw a little bit of it last night but it's now cold at dodger stadium Ball's not flying as much. I mean, I don't... Still didn't get Jock off of, you Right, know? but I mean, he really tattooed that one, too. That was not a cheap one. Um, so I think combination of, obviously, it was extraordinarily warm in Los Angeles last week. The balls were flying a little more. Houston, um, that short left field, definitely will uh, create some home runs where there might not have been any before. Although, there were some bombs that were pretty legit. Uh, Dodgers team tonight, we saw it last night a little bit. We're going to see it again tonight. I think we're at less... I do not say risk is the wrong word, but we're less likely to see that eight to seven, thirteen to twelve type game. I think we are going to see something more in the middle range of it. You know, if it's two one, I you have to give it the edge to the Dodgers. If it's five four, it gets a you know a little a little diceier. But I still think any game where runs are suppressed, you do give the edge to the Dodgers a little bit.
0: So we it, we will be talking about it tomorrow. It will. We'll be dealing with the fact that uh, the Major League Baseball season is over for the year, you know. So, which I know you're getting ready to head out to uh, Arizona. So, yeah, you know, so wrapping up big
1: leagues and then uh, back on to uh, the prospect yeah. trail.
0: Which, by the way, if you haven't been checking out the Baseball America Prospect Report every day, there seems like there's a Braze highlight in it every day because Ronald Acuna, Austin Riley, and uh, Alex Jackson and Max Freed doing really well. Out right. There. It's one of those things
1: where it's not like Oh, we just pay attention to the Braves. We're looking at everyone. It's just day in and day out. Right. Right
0: now, if you and, look at and, the leaderboard in in the AFL, it's a lot of pretty Braves. much... It's and,
1: and again, this is the number one farm system in the game. And what makes the team a number one farm system is it generally has the best players. And the Braves have a lot of really, really,
0: really good young players. And that's the thing that stands out. We'll obviously be talking about that more in the not-so-distant future. But, uh, but today, we are talking playoffs. We do want to thank you for tuning in, and we do want to remind you that our Baseball America podcast is sponsored by Baseballism. Don't forget to shop now at Baseballism.com and enter the offer code BASHIP, that's B-A-S-H-I-P, to receive free shipping on your order. Visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and more today. For Kyle, I'm JJ. We will talk to you tomorrow. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.